Hey there, senders. Welcome to another episode of the Segment Podcast. This is episode 42 with my special guests, Matt and Morgan, the creators of the local business here called Wrench and Roll. And they're just not an ordinary business. They are a business that's focused on customer service and really repairing your bikes. They don't sell bikes, but they can repair any bike that's made out there. With a wealth of knowledge and experience in the mountain bike industry, both Matt and Morgan have expertise in mountain biking and mountain bike parts and mountain bike repairs. They created this uh, company called Wrench and Roll to really just bring a gap that they saw on the market, and that is customer service and building a long-term relationship and not trying to get people into any kind of other parts or accessories or anything that is unneeded. Just get you in, fix your bike, and get you back on the trails. And they also are convenient because they can come straight to your house and pick your bike up or straight to the trails to pick your bike up or drop it off. Before we get into the episode and learn more about Matt and Morgan's journey with Wrench and Roll, I do want to say thank you to the supporters of the show. The segment podcast and the segment YouTube channel is being powered by YT Industries. YT Industries live uncaged. YT definitely has that skate feel, that fun feel, and definitely not that good old boy stuffy feel. So if you're looking for a fun bike, a good quality bike to ride, take a look at YT. If you're in the Midwest or in the East Coast of the United States and you have never heard of YT, you gotta check it out. Check out YT Industries and see if there's a bike that is fit for you. I guarantee you will definitely love it. Also want to say thank you to Tasco. Tasco has been a supporter of the channel since the beginning. Tasco, the awesome shirt company, also makes amazing gloves for mountain biking. If you want something with more protection and thickness, they have that in the Pathfinder gloves. If you want something more thin, almost like you're not wearing gloves, you can find those in the double digits as well. So just a nice array of products there at Tasco. Obviously, my favorite mountain bike shorts are made by Tasco. Those are called the Scout Shorts. They have the Phantom Series, which is perfect for the summer because it is very moisture wicking and very light and airy. Helps keep the temperature down when when you're pedaling around these mountains in the sun and in the heat. If you need mountain bike shorts or you need anything from Tasco, click on the special link in the description and get 15% off your purchase. Why pay full price? You can you can click on the link and just pay uh, 15% less than retail. Next is Spy Optic. Thank you so much to Spy Optic and Curtis Ellis for keeping my eyes protected while I'm out on the trails and keeping my eyes covered in my lifestyle. Spy has an array of products for your lifestyle and an array of colors for your mountain bike as far as the foundation goggles go. If you like to wear goggles when you're out there, especially in the summertime when it's really dusty and you want to keep the dust out of your eyes, goggles are for sure a good way to go. If you don't like wearing goggles but you want to wear bigger sunglasses, they've got you covered there as well. They have the brand new style of glasses that just came out. Those things, if you if you check them out, um, you won't be disappointed. Even though they are big, they are called the monoliths. And they are big, but they don't feel big. They're very light. And they actually have a ventilation system built into them to move air and sweat away from your face, which is outstanding. They also have the Happy Lens technology built in there. And the Happy Lens technology increases your mood and alertness by increasing your serotonin. 
So it's great technology behind those glasses. So thank you to the sponsors of or the supporters of the segment podcast and the segment YouTube channel. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the founders of Wrench and Roll, Mr. Matt and Mr. Morgan. Hey, hey, what's up, senders? Welcome back to another live stream, another podcast, episode 42 with the guys from Wrench and Roll. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt and Morgan are here with us tonight. What's up, boys? How's it going, everybody? Yes, yes, this is awesome. I've been looking forward to this because I've been hearing a lot of great chatter out there on the trails, just talking to other mountain bikers. And everyone is so impressed and so happy that Wrench and Roll has its services out here in our local area and beyond. So um, I really wanted you guys to be on the show because the show is about people that are moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary. And you guys are definitely doing that. You guys, from what I understand, used to work for you know other people or employed and then broke out on your own. So definitely want to dig into that. But first of all, uh, just wanted to shout out to the people that I see already in the audience. We got Timothy Haley out there. What's up, Tim? Thank you for joining us. Glad you got the refreshments, <laughs> which is which is great. Also, good job at Greer this morning, Timothy Haley. He actually drove all the way down from the Santa Clarita area to uh, join me for a pre-sunup ride at Greer. So good hustle, Tim. Good hustle on that. Rich on Two Wheels is out here in the audience today. Um, he is the GM for a company called Dianese, who's getting into the mountain bike scene for protective gear and all mountain bike gear. Um, and he just recently had surgery from a mountain bike injury. So welcome aboard, Rich. Thank you for being here. Straight Line MTB boys says, yeah, boy, they are on the line. Check this out. Oh, the segment was here starting in a few minutes. We are starting now. <laughs> so guys, let's just jump into it. Um, wrench, wrench and Roll, Matt and Morgan, how did you guys come up with the concept? And um, how long have you guys been in business? Yes. So Wrench and Roll kicked off December 2020. Uh, so we are just tapping into month nine. Uh, we're super stoked. Um, the concept, truly the concept started uh, a little bit bigger, started in Morgan's kitchen uh, for a couple months. Me um, going over there. He's, uh, he's pretty handy um, behind, the, behind the stove. So I was on the other side. A lot of conversation kicking around about what we wanted to do. Um, we peeled it back, peeled it back um, from some some bigger stuff and uh, decided that we could do it the way we're doing it now with a van and a garage, essentially. And um, yeah, you know, so that's kind of how it, how it, the short of it, right? Certainly we can go into a bit more details there, but uh, yeah, we yeah. just, we saw a fundamental gap in what bicycle service was currently. And with the rising popularity of services like DoorDash and things like that, we kind of sat back and said, why not for mountain bikes too? You know, people people love convenience and you know, the service industry is firing right now. So if we could combine those two things and uh, you know, roll that into something that we're passionate about and have been for decades now, it just, it seemed like a sure thing. Just such a great idea to be able to take your passion and, and make it into your your living is always key and you tuned into the customer service point you know a lot of people out there 
when they go to get their bike fixed somewhere, a lot of times they just don't know where to go or who to trust. And they start to develop a relationship, hopefully with somebody who's good. Um, but it sounds like you guys came from that aspect. Were, were you guys in the industry before you started Wrench and Roll? Yeah, we both were. Um, myself, my bike story uh, within the industry started back east. Uh, I moved here, grew up in Connecticut, moved here from Vermont. Um, back in Vermont, I got a job at a shop. Uh, super, super green, wrenching on a rental fleet of some pretty uh, crappy bikes. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a great tech there, learned a lot. Um, they were an intense dealer, which uh, was a big reason why I landed out here. Uh, I worked at Jack's and Marietta for a few years, and then I spent about five years with Jensen USA uh, between their Corona store and the Riverside location. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I was before. Wow. Oh, and then were, were you one of Jensen's uh, main mechanics over there? Were, is that what you were doing, working on the bikes and helping them keep up, keep those things coming in and getting sure. out good? Yeah, I started in the Corona store as a mechanic, service rider, um, really good crew over there. And then um, uh, I was a service manager, moved up to that, which moved on me into the Riverside location. From there, I was managing their bike build team, uh, which is a phenomenal team. They ship, you know, a ton of bikes. And then uh, also was managing the retail locations uh, from there. So I had a pretty big team beneath me. I did a lot of tech training, uh, which was which was rad. and was able to, to teach that to a lot of good folks. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I was doing. So a lot of wrenching, a lot of communication with other service teams uh, within the industry. So um, wow. Wow, sounds like a great a great background. So you kind of you kind of have a good grasp from the whole from the whole perspective of the mountain bike, from it coming in to somebody buying it to taking care of it, like the whole nine yards. You have your your good angle around what that looks like. And then Morgan, how about you? Where where did you where was your background in mountain so biking from? My story is pretty similar to I think a lot of other kids. Uh, I got my first shop job when I was fifteen on summer break. To try to prove to my folks that I was responsible or, you know, whatever it happened to be. Uh, and then bounced around to a couple other smaller local shops. Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. So, um, and uh, ended up managing a specialized concept store in Morgan Hill for a little bit. Uh, ended up down here, uh, Southern California, actually at Jensen USA as well. Not on the service aspect, but on the sales side in the gear advisor department. That's where Matt and I met. Uh, so we developed our friendship. It was the afternoon laps, those lunch laps, all the, that fun stuff. And yeah, the best. There's really where that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Backyard sure. bottle shop. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's been super fun. And then from from Jensen, I went over to Intense, spent a couple great years over at Intense, which was super rad. Met a lot of really good people, uh, learned a ton. And this idea of service only bike shop, like no bike sales, had been kicking around in my head for the better part of the last decade. Uh, so in one of those aforementioned uh, dinner meetings, right, with Matt, I, I planted that seed. And uh, after couldn't tell you how many conversations, kind of he just turned to me one day on a ride and said, so service only shop, is that is that a real possibility? And uh, I, I said, yeah. And I'm like a lot of other folks, uh, I'm very particular about who touches my bike, right? You find a good mm -hmm. mechanic, you want to you want to stick to them like glue. Uh, and um, up in the Bay Area, I had my guys. I, I knew who they were um, and 
kind of when I when I relocated, I was sort of at a loss. And when I met Matt, saw the quality of work that he was doing, it it just kind of made sense. So he's been my guy. Uh, he's been my race teams mechanic for a couple years previously before we started this whole thing. And oh, dang. Uh, it just it just the stars aligned. It was the right time, and we just set out on a course. Wow, I love it. I love it. So it's December 2020. The pandemic is is just kicking off, right? So it's not quite there yet, but we're getting ready to rev up for that. And um, was it was it a combination of wanting to do your own thing, seeing that gap in the market, saying like, there's got to be this need that we can fill for people who maybe don't want to buy bikes, but just have a great service oriented repair type of shop is that was that the biggest draw for you guys in december back then um yeah that was a big one truly i would say uh the the biggest draw the biggest thing was like was the passion to do it and the passion Mm -hmm. to do something differently than um at least speaking for myself that i was doing in my in my that role that role limited kind of like a uh, community element and uh, to be like face to face within within the community, touching riders. I was I was in a great role, but kind of behind the scenes, right? So seeing that opportunity, mi- truly missing like the the day in and day out wrenching. Um, like I, I love it, I live for it. Um, so I, I I wanted to do it, and definitely uh, yeah, the the stars kind of aligned with with the COVID rush and, and all of that, knowing shops their turnaround time um, and what we could potentially do working off our own schedule, our own hours. Uh, So yeah, saw that opportunity, but truly I think it it was passion driven and and we try to keep that in the forefront of a lot of decisions so far that we've been making and um, continue to, you know, remind ourselves of like why we're doing it. And and we're having so much fun doing it, connecting with all kinds of folks at events and uh, our, the door to door, method truly allows that face-to-face interaction that one-on-one experience that can be challenging to get in your traditional you know retail store which you know again we both have experience in so uh yeah that's cool that's really cool and the fact that it's you guys it is awesome and that you have a passion for it and i love the whole door-to-door aspect that you if it's you know i could say i could say for the bike shop that i take my bike to um, sometimes when it's not the mechanic that I'm used to working with and it's somebody else that I don't have a relationship with, it's automatically like, I'm kind of on my heels, like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, where's, where's the guy, where's the other guy. Um, but I love the fact that you guys are customer service oriented like that. And you're in the community and it's true. I've seen you guys at events. I just saw you guys at snow Valley for yep. the transcend ride. I saw you guys at the big bear races for the enduro races at there at uh, velocity. And uh, it, it's just cool to see that you guys are, are mixing it with everybody and getting to know everybody. It, it's really, truly awesome. Yeah. Well, we try to get between the tape sometimes ourselves, which keeps it fun. We had a blast at the Enduro Series doing that, you know, in between stages, doing some wrenches before heading back up. So, so awesome. Got <laughs> <laughs> to get those laps in. That's why yeah. That's why you guys are in it, right? It's, it's yeah, so cool. Absolutely. That's what we tell ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We got a couple comments here. I want to make sure we grab um, Rich on Two Wheels says, let's get this party started. MTB Rad Dad is in the house and he says, you, we got Octodad, MTB, Marty, Joey Richards uh, tuning in all the way from New Zealand is on the line. What's up, Marty? Good to see you. That's Rad. Uh, 
He says, backyard mechanics rule, especially if they have a van. Octodad's also asking, um, so good to fix your bike with people you trust instead of a bike shop that is always trying to sell you more stuff. And a question here from MTB Raddat out in the Coachella Valley. He says, do you carry products still? I imagine you need to stock parts and stuff, but he says, I also understand no bike sales. For sure. Yeah, we absolutely stock parts. We've got great relationships with some of the industry's best people. Uh, we've got accounts with all the major suspension manufacturers. We're, we're set up for authorized dealers there. Uh, P&W, Spank, Synthesis. Um, yeah, Factor. Factor. Uh, yeah, this goes on. I know we're missing Video. a ton of people. It's like a, it's like an acceptance speech. There's so many people yeah. we want to thank, right? But uh, <laughs> yes, to, to answer your question, we absolutely stock parts. And, and given the current climate, we do the best we can to, to keep those in stock. Uh, TRP, another another solid solid brand partner of ours for sure. So we have your basic uh, replacement parts. We do our best to keep those in stock too. As far as like brake pads across the board, we you know chains have been like a you know if you could find chains, it's a little honey hole. But we're doing our best to keep stuff like that. Bottom brackets, uh, you know, some of the basics, suspension seal kits. We try to keep a lot. See, uh, potentially the next question up is if we do service suspension, and we definitely yes. do. Uh, there's some limitations right now, um, kind of our timing of launching wrench and roll and where the industry was via inventory. There's some proprietary tools and whatnot out there that we, uh, we have on back order, but, uh, are headed our way soon. So, uh, certainly reach out. Um, but yeah, we, I did two forks today and a shock. So <laughs> we do quite a bit, um, daily nice. too, so. that's awesome. And as far as your guys's um, history with, with, you know, wrenching for racers, race team, and yourselves. If somebody were to come in, I know that, um, you know, uh, the outsider MTV, Tony De Silva, just went to a place and got his suspension dialed in for, for his riding. Like knowing how many clicks on the blue, how many clicks on the red, front and back, w- would you also be able to dial in somebody that way as well? Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, so a lot of that comes with time, repetition, kind of like testing different settings. Every rider... Uh, has different preferences. Every track, you know, there's some differences there. That's that's the beauty of factory race support, right? For some of these riders out there. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. And you know, not only can we can we help with that setup, but you know, part of our vision is education. So truly, those one-on-one experiences, we want you to know that red knob does and that blue knob does. You know, um, right. and and what each direction and. Truly talk through adjustments. Uh, we should be making adjustments with purpose. And, you know, um, so we, we want you to understand all that. Uh, and again, we are out there riding a lot. So I have folks, you know, you know, up a big bear, taking some laps, cruise by, ask some questions, you know, give some suggestions. And uh, that's one of the, the best things to do is every lap, you know, tinker a little bit. And uh, but yeah, totally something we help out with basics of setup. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. So good. Yeah, that's that customer service too. And the fact that you guys are actually out there riding amongst us is is great that we can approach you guys and ask questions. Um, We have Straight Line MTB here. It says, I need to drop off my bike. So (laughs) there you go. Straight Line line MTB. We have the number down below. You can actually text the Wrench and Roll boys there, Matt and Morgan, and they can text you back or hit them up on Instagram at wrench underscore and underscore roll 
Um, straight line also says when our bikes need tuning, we just sell it and bring in a new one for review. <laughs> Shred MTV says great service by these guys. Highly recommend. There you go. Oh, That's thank a testimony. You. Yeah. So Shred, Shred MTV, you must have had them in. I also, uh, just one of my friends, one of my close friends, Jeff, uh, was down in San Diego, said he had service by you guys and was just amazed by the service. So you guys are doing a lot of great things, man. Great things. Um, Straight Line MTB says, what is the most common service repair you guys do? Um, bleed a lot of brakes of various flavors, right? Your SRAM, Shimano, TRP, uh, Hopes. Uh, so we do a lot of that. Uh, I would say if we look back at the books, we do our protein, um, which is like a full teardown, brake bleeds included, hubs, pretty much touch everything, uh, hard reset there. Uh, that's, I think, our number one sold package. And with that is the brakes. So, so I think a lot of brakes. Uh, a, a lot of brakes. A lot, lot of, of forks, too. A lot of suspension, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah it's uh, – I don't think either of us really went into this expecting the such a large volume of suspension questions, right? And and seeing the need for all of those services. And we were talking about this earlier, the sort of asking ourselves these questions to kind of prepare. And and I think a, a basic fork service would be a close second, I've got to think, to the to the ProTune, just because most people will see some some pretty drastic benefits just from a lower service truly and, and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback uh even just the one today our guy said hey you know my fork felt like it had a hard stop out halfway through the travel and and now she's smooth so it, it's one of those things where i think the, the suspension service is definitely pretty high up there too yeah i can imagine there's so many different clicks and trail styles i mean if you could learn how to dial that in that would be that would make life so much better to be able to cruise through i mean some of the trails at greer i know with the with the chunk and everything, it feels like uh, you know if you don't have that dialed in, that'd be really important to have the suspension dialed in on that. Um, Timothy Haley is asking you guys, um, what is your area of operation? So basically, like, what's your what's your scope when you're out there in the field? Who who can you service? Sure. So we we have sort of a an unofficial, semi-official, fifteen mile radius from where we wrench out of. Uh, so figure basically Canyon Lake down to Pachanga, uh, sort of around there. Uh, we have met some folks from further out of town. Uh, we get a lot of people, like you mentioned, coming up from North County, San Diego, uh, meeting us in South Temecula. We'll do pickups there and then kind of bring it back to the shop, things like that. So uh, we're, we're pretty local, um, you know, but it seems to be working pretty well for us so far. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have been pretty busy with everything going on right now. You know, a lot of people are having a hard time buying bikes. So there's so many bikes out there that need attention and service. I went to a bike shop to see about getting something done on my bike a couple of weeks back. And it was like, a, I think the, the appointment time was two weeks out before I could even bring it in. <laughs> so what, what is, what do you guys look like right now as far as um, operations getting in? We're pretty quick. We, um, we tried to, focus on quick turns as a differentiator from our services from some of the traditional brick and mortar shops. So I think most bikes come in and leave within a 48 to 72 hour period. Holy uh, cow. If, uh, sometimes with the suspension, uh, we'll get into something and notice something that was damaged, like a basic service turns into a full damper shaft replacement, something like that. 
then that's a quick call to uh, the boys at the service department at the respective uh, suspension company to order those parts. And so that can kind of prolong some stuff, but we're pretty quick. Pretty and quick. Tru- yeah. And truly, you know, that, that could even be with just within contacting us. If we can, if we can schedule appropriately, um, like we had, a, we had a gentleman today come down from Chino Hills area, which is a, which is a hall and we had it scheduled. So he kicked it around town, went to a coffee shop for two hours while his scheduled service was done. So wow. that was the same day turnaround for him. Uh, he only contacted us about two days ago. So, um, so that's an opportunity too, uh, especially if there's like, as Morgan was saying, no parts that we need to order, or again, if we can plan it in advance, right? If, you, if there's something that we can maybe schedule for a week out, uh, it could be, you know, same day, next day, uh, Truly, our, our goal is to move them out pretty quick. So, oh, that's very cool. Yeah, and you guys have the flexibility. You guys are in the field, so to speak, out there with with us. You can pick up at certain locations, pick up at Greer, pick up at you know Velocity, yeah. wherever. We just brought a bike home from Big Bear this past weekend from the Gravity <laughs> Fest. Yeah, get pick wow. it up at the Temecula race this weekend. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Dang, that is very that is very cool and, and unique. You know, um, otherwise you have to take it to the bike shop and, uh, you know, sometimes with your schedules, if they're busy, you may not be able to make it there until the weekend, but the weekends when you want to ride for a lot of us. So it's nice to be able to call you guys and say, Hey, can you come pick, pick her up? She needs some help. Absolutely. That's very cool. Uh, MTB Brad does says I'm terrible on remembering, remembering hours and dates for keeping track of my lower leg services. So any, any, Reminders on that, like how often should they be servicing that? And is there a way to remember? Yeah, manufacturer recommended service intervals for most forks is gonna be roughly 50 hours. Uh, I'd say the best way to keep track of that, uh, if you track your rides through something like a Garmin or a Strava, kind of just take a look, Uh, maybe even just take an average ride and then count down rides. Uh, I've even snagged one of those oil change stickers that they have for you now at AutoZone. And oh, just put that on my lower leg, stuck it oh, on yeah. a little date on it. That was pretty helpful for me. But yeah, it's it's tough to keep track of. I think most of the forks we see are pretty far past that recommended 50 hour interval. Yeah. And truly, it depends on how much you're riding it, right? A brand new fork that sits um, is going gonna, is gonna to need different service intervals. Um, but yeah, I would say it's something for your avid rider, even avid weekend rider in SoCal. It's super hot and dry, right? Probably think about a basic service every four to six months, depending on your riding, right? So if you can, if you can, and, and you notice a difference, and a lot of folks who maybe haven't experienced a forward service, um, it's hard to, to truly know. But you'll every six months, if you did it, your fork is going to feel significantly better. Um, your hands will hurt less, I promise. And yeah. Nice. Nice. No, that's a good way. So that's, that's good. Yeah. MTV Rad Dad said that is smart. And uh, the stickers, the stickers, that's cool that they, that they have that. Um, might as well get into the questions because uh, people were firing away questions and folks, if you're on the line, uh, continue to fire them off. And if there's anything that they can help you with here, um, Matt and Morgan would be happy to. And if, if not, they're also, um, they can also come pick up your bike. So Matt and Morgan, let's get into some of the questions that we got on the IG. First one we have is from uh, Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N-N-N, Brennan. 
says, washing bikes, biggest mistakes. What would you guys say to somebody who who's wants to wash their bike at home? Something they should stay away with, the biggest mistakes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. So the hose, stay away from the hose. Um, <laughs> it's a misconception for sure. You see it a lot on like pink bike and after World Cup races, right? Everyone's hosing down their bike. Uh, what most folks you know don't see is these World Cup mechanics completely tearing down this bike after it gets hosed down, right? Checking all the bearings, replacing the bearings, greasing, getting all that water out of there. Um, the components are waterproof. The bearings are sealed, right? They can't handle moisture and getting wet. Um, but spraying a bike down, it's going to push water in places we might not want it. Um, if it's not dried appropriately, uh, water is going to sit. Brennan, um, who, who asked this question, we recently had his downhill bike in here. Um, mm -hmm. His lower pivot had a whole bunch of like corrosion and rust kind of starting to build up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a low spot on the bike, which truly just holds the water. And um, even the light mist, a lot of folks will say, right, well, I just, you know, give it a light mist and then hit it with the rag. Um, it's certainly better than the power washer. But the encouragement is to spray your rag down with whatever cleaning product you're using. Um, if it's just from, you know, something simple like Simple Green or whatever product you choose to use, there's a ton out there. Uh, spray the rag. I'm all about the flossing technique. Those who follow us on Instagram know that. Um, yeah, get in there, take your time. If it's super muddy, let the bike dry. Uh, and then knock the dirt off as dust right the next day. Um, mm. Can't tell I'm pretty passionate about this this topic. Dude, uh, Matt, I had no I had no clue. I've, I've been using the, yeah. the everybody's told me from other writers is like use the mist. Don't use high pressure. Use the mist. Yeah. You know, soap and water or muck off or any one of those things. And then I've been drying it off with a leaf blower. <laughs> so yeah, it's so very cringing, right? Yeah, I mean, like, we're just we're just putting places that they shouldn't, right? We're pushing grease out, water in, and it, you know, certainly keeps keeps us busy, so keep posting your bikes, y'all. Bearings are to need service. Um, but yeah, um, bearings do not like water. Um, again, if you hose your bike and then you take it completely apart, and then you're all get hose away. Um, but yeah, it's probably, like, the worst the biggest thing and then um treat your brake rotors like like you're like baby right move mm. away from any kind of overspray keep those things super clean clean up alcohol only um i'm pretty religious about brake rotor cleaning um yeah yeah so those are my two uh i think biggest uh i remember what the question was yeah, that was great. No, Brandon was asking, yeah, washing bikes, biggest mistakes. How many of us out there, chime it in, you guys, put it in the comments. How many of you guys are like me and use the hose? I will not be using the hose anymore. <laughs> I'm right here. I, did. I, had no, I had no clue. That is that is, uh, that is off. This great, great information. Um, ShredMTB is asking, will you be bringing on a bike manufacturer anytime soon? So probably not. Uh, given the current setup with the door-to-door, -door, um, to take on an inventory position that most manufacturers are going to require to open an account, even with low buy-ins like three to four bikes, we truly just don't have a place to keep them. Uh, you know, and 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 above all that, it, it, the the service 
centric aspect of our business is truly what we wanted to focus on to be able to continue to provide sort of that unbiased. Yeah. Uh, like if we, you know, if you have bikes, you have to sell bikes and it's a lot of overhead. So it makes folks hungry to sell those. Uh, we want to sell service. We want, you, you know, your used bike or new bike to just feel super good. And that's, we maybe get involved with some manufacturers for some service opportunities and small parts. We definitely can, can help out there. We do have some really good relationships with folks. Uh, but yeah, services, services, the mission. Number one, number one. So, so yeah, so no, so no bike manufacturers anytime soon, other than any kind of service related items that you guys may need for those. Uh, Thomas Harper is also like me, one of the folks that uses the hose, um, we'll no longer be using the hose. Thanks to your guys' knowledge on that. MTB rad thing. <laughs> yeah. What about shower mode? Any on mode. It doesn't matter. About just that the water gets in everywhere. So if we can I just, avoid, I would avoid it truly. Um, you try, try, if you're listening, you're right. Try what I'm recommending. It's super muddy. Let it dry. Knock it off with the brush. Give yourself a little brush set. Um, the flossing technique. Again, it is sealed stuff. So like you're not going to push the dirt in, but water can work its way in easier. So I would stay away from it for sure. That's good. And then let's and spray the rag down to where it's damp. I mean, you don't want it so soaked that it's it's depositing moisture on the bike, right? You want to be able to just have it damp enough to we can wipe the bike down. Yeah, I mean, so you know, with with pads removed and and wheels aside, I'll certainly in some cases spray bike down, right? Direct spray of whatever cleaning product I'm using, but then that's followed up quickly by you know a microfiber rag in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's also, there's a confidence level, of course, of being able to get in there and expose those bearings if I feel like it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. A lot of the, this is a big topic. A lot of the folks are chiming in on this one. Octodad out in New Zealand says, how about hose low pressure? If muddy use bike wash and then bounce dry and towel. What about, what about that technique? Same answer, truly. Um, again, the, the least amount of pressure, the least amount of water, the better. So however that works for you, if, if it's a quick immediate, you have to clean it before bringing it in the house type situation. Again, understood. I would say truly then just your service intervals of full teardown are increased, right? You, you just want to make sure you're, they're getting a little bit more attention. You might, you, your bike might uh, start getting a little noisier sooner than someone who, who might not hose it you might need to replace your frame barrier sooner than someone who might not to. Those are very little things over time that are going to wear. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, right. If we're, if we're trying to achieve like the best performance or optimal performance for these high end stuff that we, we purchase and ride, I'd keep water away from them. That's good. That's great. Yeah. yeah I think uh, Timothy Haley is going to be similar. He says um, he's plugging them. He says muck off waterless wash works well, if not super covered in mud. So there you go, guys. If uh, you guys want to use that without the water, muck off waterless wash works. Right on. Thank you, Tim. And then going to head over to more of the questions for you guys. So that was from Brennan. And then Matt and Morgan, let's see. The way that my printer printed out is kind of funky, so I'm going to read off my phone. Okay. Rich on Two Wheels asked, what, what's the furthest you'll travel to service a bike? So basically, we answered that one. That's um, south of Temecula on up to Canyon Lake, basically. But if you want to travel into the area, 
you guys can uh, travel into the area, ride Greer or ride Velocity, and then have the boys here pick it up. It sounds like for sure. service, if it's scheduled, it could potentially even be the same day turnaround after a, a cup of coffee or some lunch. Yep. What what about so say there are guys that are out of the area, but because of the vibe for the from the wrench and roll and the community talking so highly on wrench and roll, would you ever consider doing a DIY online for somebody to help them through it for a nominal service or a nominal fee? I think that that's that's in line with the educational component that we were hoping to build in to the business when the initial conversations started happening. Uh, we're already having similar conversations with some local groups to kind of host uh, sort of a, a group night kind of a thing where they can bring uh, a couple service related questions and we can perform the services in front of them so that they can get the one-on-one the -on -one in the moment kind of hands-on experience and ask all the questions and, and have us get the real-time answers to them. Yeah, mm. so, yeah, I think it's more likely for us to go that route. Is, uh, you know, certainly the world it is now with, you know, the virus, COVID or whatever, we'll, we'll have to, if we do in-person training uh, with any, with the bike tech stuff, it's, there's a ton of value there. Uh, certainly we do have great uh, video uh, guy asset. Um, so it's, it's a possibility to put some of that stuff up online. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, if you guys are outside the area, Give, give Matt and Morgan a call and, uh, you know, maybe take it one-on-one -on -one and see what they say, but potentially they might be able to walk you through the fix there. Uh, wow. for, for a totally. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. something that something I'm thinking about. Um, okay. I have a question from Octodad, Matt and Morgan. He says, uh, what do the bros think about shock lube? Like externally, like extension and lubricant? I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that's what he's talking about. Marty, let us know if you're talking about uh, outside for, for lubricant on, on the shock. And while he's putting that in, Morgan, we talked about this question earlier. So the Bike Rider app is asking a question about tires. He's asking, are, are, bag are baguettes the new Cush core? And we got a, we got a response from Marty as well. Yeah, man, I think that's uh, Common Saul's secret, right? Those guys keep crossing the finish line first. So if that's, uh, <laughs> if that's working for them, then more power to them. So, yeah, who's to say? Right, right. So it could be baguettes in those wheels. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have a preference when it comes to, or maybe, I mean, that's not a fair question to ask you guys, but what do you guys most commonly see in the wheels? Do you guys see Cush Core or something else or just a variety of inserts? Uh, we have seen a variety. We definitely see the most Cush Core. Um, we see a lot of it, truly. Uh, we've, we've definitely worked on our technique quite a bit, tried a whole bunch of different, different uh, techniques that are out there. Um, we feel pretty good about ours. And, but yeah. It's certainly not my favorite thing to wrench on, but we made it happen. <laughs> nice. I've seen videos of people throwing their tires across the garage. Yeah. <laughs> There's some comforts out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Stars aligned, DH casing, carbon wheel, cushion yeah. core. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, yeah, fun stuff. So um, Marty from New Zealand says, yes. What do you guys think? What do you bros think about shock lube for external? He says, yeah, that was his yeah. question. So, in 
theory, your shock is sealed, right? So putting lubricant on your stanchions, either your shock or your fork, if that is getting inside your fork to lubricate something, in my opinion, there's a bigger issue of, of letting the lubricant in there, right? There's some tricks out there, you know, run a zip tie between the, the seal and the stanchion and drip some in there. Um, yes, I, I see value in that. I think that could help, right? If you totally can't, you know, make a fork service happen by dropping the lowers, um, even if you're not replacing the seals, you can drop the lowers and, and put some slick honey in there. Um, that's gonna be the best bet. It certainly in a pinch, um it could work it's better than nothing i suppose mm-hmm. but uh but yeah suspension should be sealed it shouldn't let anything inside gotcha <laughs> gotcha so not so much the need for the shock lube everything's going to be on the inside just keep those stanchions uh wiped down and clean i guess yeah um shred mtv says matt loves his kush core <laughs> yeah so I'm um, going to go to another question here. This one's from the Trail Dogs. What's up, Trail Dogs? Thank you guys for being on. I appreciate you guys always. Trail Dogs says, what do the guys that work there ride, and where do you guys like to ride? You want to go first? Yeah. So it was, sorry, I was reading. The first one was, what do we ride? Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So my, I'd say my main... Well, I guess it depends on the time of year, but my trail bike is an intense primer. Um, my park bike is a Banshee dark side. And mm. then I have a dirt jumper, the orange thing behind me. That's a Cro-Mag Monk. Dang. Dang. Yeah, I try to, you know, try to have one of, uh, one of everything in the check up all the boxes. So there's a couple missing there, right? Matt's got one the quiver one. though. Still a good quiver. Jeez Louise. <laughs> try Okay. And then how, how about you? Where, where, where do you, or where do you like to ride? Yeah. So uh, Greer is our backyard. Of course, we ride a lot at Greer. Um, I've been pretty lazy in the summer. I spend most of my time up at Big Bear, um, ranch Monday through Friday. And then, yeah, you can find me getting chairlift laps, uh, pretty much every weekend that there's not a race. Uh, and then we've been having, we had a blast at Vail, got passes, both of us this year. So yeah. the trail work that's been going on over there has been super exciting. So uh, those are, and then I am at the pump track um, when it's not hundred degrees quite often. So uh, those are my spots. We're so Come lucky. Yeah, we're so lucky. We have so much good stuff around yeah, here, the Muriel area. <laughs> and I think somebody told me that EC was hired on at Vail, and that's been a lot of the great uh, work that we've been seeing out there. Because I feel like every time I go out to Velocity, there's a new trail, North Shore, yeah. Fat Tire, like all kinds of stuff that's going on out there. It's so cool. Super cool. Eric's doing a good job. He is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah. Good uh, my trail bike's a Rocky Mountain Instinct. Um, I've got it tastefully upgraded with uh, with some bits and bobs from some other folks out there, so not quite stock. Uh, I've got like I've got a Haro Steel Reserve again that we upgraded um, for my dirt jumper when Matt bullies me into riding the pump track with him. Uh, <laughs> uh, pump track. <laughs> uh, and then I don't have a park bike currently, uh, but the other bikes in the stable, I've got uh, specialized crux to do gravel duty on. Uh, and then I've got my old trusty 20 inch BMX race bike that I kind of grew up racing that I can't get rid of. And that's a standard 125 R. Wow. 
Wow, you guys, there you go. And then as far as trails, Morgan, where do you like to take those steeds when you're when you got when you have time? Yeah, it's 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 the same thing. It's it's winter laps at Vale and Greer. Uh, summertime again, uh, you'll you'll see me in Big Bear uh, a few times. Not not quite as often as Matt. Um, but uh, the other really cool thing with the pump track is they just put in that little Brom track, so I can take my son. He's uh, he's five. Uh, and he likes to he likes to shred his bike out there too. So that's uh, those are my park laps, right? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. For those of you who are in the Murrieta Temecula area or coming out here to visit, and you have your Grom, uh, the Temecula Pump Track has a little Grom track that's literally what fifty yards away from yep. the yeah. from the main one, and uh, the kids have such a good time. They've done such a great job with that track. So, so, so much fun. MTB Rad Dad is saying, I think Marty is talking about the WPL shock lube stuff. Going back to that shock lube question. Yeah. So the, the stanchion lube, I've, I used to field a lot of questions uh, in, in my prior role and things like that. And uh, I suppose it, it could make a difference, right? I mean, somebody somewhere in a lab feels like it does uh, strongly mm -hmm. enough, at least to, to come to market with that product uh, kind of a thing. Um, but my guess is that if I blindfolded you and sent you down distortion once without any shock lube and then did it again with it, gave you the old school Pepsi challenge, uh, <laughs> you probably wouldn't be able to, to, to feel the difference, right? So yeah. um, I think... Yeah, I think truly just, I think the WPL stuff probably helps keep it cleaner, um, right? And, and that's an important part of your stanchions, right? The cleaner it is, the less stuff go in there. Yeah, totally maybe a little bit of placebo. But yeah, it, anything <laughs> that helps keep, keep it cleaner, um, I think helps, you know, that you potentially a little bit extra lubricant on your stanchions and actually might attract some dirt and grime right kind of creates a bit of a sticky surface but then it does make it easier to kind of wipe it all off from um mm. yeah again it, it could help um those seals really shouldn't let too much inside of it though that that is their job is to keep a tight seal so um I, we neither of us have any experience with it again we're spoiled we have the shop so if my fork feels sticky i'm dropping lowers a bit more frequently than most. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That and that's great. Um, Scouts out is on the central coast out there. What's up, buddy? Good, good to see you. Thanks for being on. Scouts out says uh, maybe at least keep the seals from drying out is what is what he was thinking on that. Do you think that had any effect on the seals? Uh, again, it could if it gets in there. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Pop, pop up one here for you guys. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Salute. This might be a good time to plug. Um, we were going to try to do this podcast, everybody, from a brewery. Uh, Matt and Morgan were talking about possibly doing it there. Uh, they have a buddy that works at a brewery. But maybe we can do an after-a-ride brewery visit someday. So you guys want to give that brewery a plug, go ahead, because uh, they must have some good brew over there. I got to check it out. Yeah, yeah, we were going to do it at the backyard bottle shop. It's actually, it's just a uh, tap room over there in Marietta. Um, they have a cool little room where we were talking about maybe getting for, to do this in. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, it'd be fun to set up a 
like a meet and greet post ride or something like that there. That'd be, that'd be good stuff. That would be, that's a good idea. Maybe uh, comment on this when you guys are, if you guys are watching this live or even afterwards on iTunes or Spotify, let us know. Maybe we could even do a, yeah, like you said, a meet and greet there at that brewery or have you guys give a talk on something like some kind of suspension basics for education. Um, that would be very cool too. Uh, going back to some of the questions here, let's see. Uh, MTB Rad Dad says, what is your favorite tool? And maybe we could take that one out even further. What tool should each of us mountain bikers have in the garage? Oh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, okay, so I have a couple answers that came to mind, and I thought I was prepared for this. So the derailleur alignment gauge, the partial gag, right? So that, that aligns the derailleur hanger. Um, nearly every bike that comes through the shop or especially the booth on race day has a band derailleur hanger. So I use that tool on almost every single bike. Um, like I, I yeah, couldn't, couldn't make things shift like they do. Um, with, without that truly. So I use that a ton. It's definitely a little bit of black magic. Uh, you definitely have to snap a couple of derailleur hangers in your time to kind of know <laughs> the fine limit there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's gotta be one of the most used. Um, and then I would say a close second, just a notable mention here is a, uh, when I lace wheels, I have just like a pre-bent spoke that I did with a crimped nipple on there mm. and a little, little nipple driver to build wheels. Um, I take pride in my, uh, my spoke tools. <laughs> nice. Nice. How about you, Morgan? What would you say to that Ooh. question? The knife in the kitchen. Man. So yeah, my favorite tool is probably <laughs> my phone so I can text Matt and let him know my bike's not running right and then he needs to get over to the shop ASAP so that I don't look like a scrub on the trail. No. Um, I think, it keeps uh, shifting on me. It keeps yeah, shifting. Yeah. The, like the, the tool that I use the most, like for the in the field, quick adjustments, like lever adjustments on pickup or drop off, stuff like that. Just a good old fashioned park tool three way of the various sizes, right? And that nice. keep one. We keep a full set in the van door at all times. Uh, Matt's car's probably got three sets in it. Um, but uh, but in a pinch, uh, I think it's something everybody should have truly is a multi tool. Whether it's like a like a one up tool in your steer tube or you know something just in your backpack, like just having one of those things can help you out in a pinch. Preferably one with a, a chain breaker on it. I nice. think would be, would be my recommendation. Yeah, that's great, man. That's so. I used to ride a stump jumper, and it had a SWAT box on it. So yeah. in, in my bottle cage had the little holder for the multi-use tool. I'm on a, a YT Jeff C now, and I don't have that SWAT box. So I'm thinking about getting. Is it the one up that has the 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 hiding spot in the in the stem? Yeah. So we're, I'm a big fan of the EDC light tool. If that, okay. it's a pretty minimalist tool. Um, if that checks all your boxes, what you're looking for, it still utilizes a star nut, which in my opinion is the most secure system wow. out there. There's, there's some good ones, um, some good alternatives. Uh, but in my opinion, nothing beats the good old star nut. So the one up EDC light tool, have it in my bike, uh, my trail bike. And I dig it. I think it's super solid. Doesn't loosen up or anything. So nice. I'll have, I'll have to check that EDC light. I'll have to check that out. I was at Summit, and my I thought my derailleur was bent because it was shifting. My my bike was shifting. Turns out that the back axle got loose, and so 
I didn't have anything. I had to go ask somebody if I could just have a simple Allen wrench to tighten that back wheel down. So made me think I got to start getting something like that for the bike. Got a couple uh, questions here. Rich on two wheels is asking you guys, what's your favorite bike to work on? And what is your least favorite bike to work on? Don't hold punches, fellas. All right. Uh, <laughs> favorite bike to work on is one that comes into the shop regularly for the service intervals. <laughs> there you go. Those are, those are quick. Least favorite bike to work on is the one you haven't touched in two years. Oh, uh, man, yeah. You, know, you just uh, you ride them, you put them away, you let them sit, uh, and they just fall into a state of disrepair. I mean, there's certain manufacturers out there that are a little bit more finicky with the proprietary pieces and the, the linkages that require – uh, modified tools to get shoulder bolts out and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, so that they're all, they're all just nice little challenges throughout the day, little small wins that Matt gets to, gets to take home at the end of it. Right. So, <laughs> Matt's face is like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, that was a really good answer for Morgan. <laughs> that, that, we'll was good. That. <laughs> that was really good. All right, guys, got a couple more questions that came in while you guys are, are asking. Uh, Empty Dad says he actually has the EDC in his pump. I got the EDC in yeah. my pump, he says. Okay, this one's coming in from Scott Chafin. Scott Chafin is asking, is a wireless derailleur worth the money, in your opinion? Yeah, so we were a bit prepared for this one. Uh, to, this one's an interesting one. Um, I'd say it's certainly... Uh, depends on the individual and depends on what you're offering your derailleur. Um, if you're going cost to cost GX to GX, I would say no, it is not worth it. Cause you could literally do three new GX mechanical derailleurs for every one great access derailleur, okay. uh, there in the GX platform. Um, however, if you are comparing the GX access to let's say an X01 or XX1 mechanical derailleur, right? Similar price points there. Um, in my opinion, the access is worth a shot. It is worth a try. I've been running it on my bike now for over a year and I absolutely love it. Um, it's as far as the precision and everything goes and it's, it's unbeatable. Um, but those super, super pre uh, precise shifts, Potential, like they require a little bit more attention to keep them that precise. Mm. Um, so myself, uh, I tinker with my bike a lot, so that doesn't bother me. Um, so, so that does, I think, bother some folks out there. Um, yeah. So yeah, you've only what run out of battery twice, twice. or three times now. Yeah. So it really hasn't even been that big of a deal with the electronic stuff for him. So yeah. <laughs> not not too bad not too bad uh, it's pretty slick though if you, yeah, it, it really yeah it's pretty nice yeah it probably just feels good too to have one less wire on the bike you know just uh well, yeah. one less thing just feel, yeah clean. they look clean yeah, yeah. access yeah. and access you can do an access dropper post and access shifter i would do it it looks so good <laughs> dang there you go there you go from the wrench and roll boys so scott chafin if you are listening in live or if you're listening in on itunes or or spotify uh the boys here are saying if you can uh go for it they 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 love it uh debbie crow basically says uh producer debbie what's happening good to see you out here on the show she says summit is notorious for loosening any bolt possible on your bike so might be a good That's place to 
That's a, that's a really good point. And it's, it's something that I think a lot of people overlook is just the constant rechecking of torque values on all of your bike's bolts. Start at the stem, work your way back to the rear axle. Uh, most manufacturers are going to have an FAQ page where you can find all the torque values. Uh, and it's something that I encourage people to try to work into their post-ride or pre-ride routine. Um, mm -hmm. If not every ride, every other ride. Because the last thing you want to have happen is a shoulder bolt back out a little bit. It loses its strength and shears off. We see broken rear triangles. We unfortunately today saw the result of one with a broken collarbone. So oh. it's uh, so yeah, bikes, uh, they, they take a beating and we demand a lot out of them. And I think we take for granted the, uh, the stress that these little five mil bolts uh, put up with day to day. So definitely, definitely figure out a way to, to get those torque values checked for sure. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. And like you said, most of the companies have the, the facts on, on the torque values for you guys to, to do it in pre-ride or, or, or post-ride checks. That is uh, that's a great tip. Debbie, thank you for bringing that up. Um, MTB Rad Dad says, I love my GX axis. So he has one, uh, which is great. Guys, I have a, a question um, for it. So the stem on my bike was was really loose, right? I could feel it when I pulled up on the handlebars. I could feel like there was some play in there. So I started to tighten it down and actually cracked that little plastic thing on the top. So it made me realize that's too much. <laughs> so I, I changed the little cap on the top and I was able to tighten it down. But I tightened it down so much that I could barely steer, right? <laughs> it's, is that meant to be not tight? How is that? I mean, this is probably really basic and I'm sorry for the question. No, it's a good question. Um, so essentially that, that top bolt, right? Often a five mil, that is just loading your headset bearing. So, um, there, each headset manufacturer would have a different torque value for what they say that needs to be cinched down to. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does not need to be, there shouldn't, you should not, you will, you will not hit a hard stopping point, right? If you hit a hard stopping point, that essentially means you've compressed your bearings and like you potentially experienced then the, the bars don't turn at all. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a fine tuned balance. Um, you want to get that snug enough so that your headset's not loose, but not snug enough that it's not moving. And now something mm -hmm. to, um, that goes hand in hand with this is that bolt that's, that's putting downward pressure is not holding your stem to your fork. What's holding your stem to your fork is the pinch bolts on the side. So those, those need to be tight, right? Those, most stems do have your, the torque values printed on them. It's somewhere likely between like five and nine Newton meters, depending on size of the bolt and material. But, um, but yeah, something to keep in mind. So, um, truly again, uh, headset manufacturers has the torque or just kind of, you got to feel it out. Um, a little bit of experience and, uh, yeah. Yeah. No. That's awesome, Matt. Thank you very much. I wonder how many other people were in the same boat as me trying to figure that out. It happens to seem like a seem like a little fine balance. Like too much is way too much, and too loose was <laughs> fell loose. But yeah, it, the it's the ones on the side that'll keep it there. So, thank you for that. Um, you got a shout out here from Derek. Man, he says best service around. Shout out to Matt Morgan and Mark. Reach out to the wrench and roll for service. You won't be disappointed. Another great Thanks, testimony. Derek. 
<laughs> so I'm telling you guys, this is what I'm hearing when I'm out on the trails. People are loving your guys' service there at Wrench and Roll. And uh, there's no one there from Derek. Uh, MTB Manny has a question for you guys, and I wanted to bring that up for you. He is asking, let's see where to go. Sorry, I just lost it. <laughs> I I had it right here. Okay. MTB Manny says, da -da 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 -da. he says, he says, sorry, everybody. I had it. I lost it. I, I hit it with my finger and I lost it. Oof. I'll get back. I'll get back to it. But uh, yeah, he's got a question for you guys that I wanted to make sure we cover. Um, where'd you go, Manny? Here you are. Found it. Okay, MTV Manny says, how to get how to get your bike to feel less twitchy, stem length or height? Both. Right. It's a, it's a combination of a lot of things when, when the bike's feeling twitchy, right? I mean, it, it could be a head tube angle. It could, and you know, if you think about your head tube angle, as you move your stem up, it comes in and as you move it down, it gets a little bit longer. So depending on where you are on your stack height, uh, you might want to make an adjustment, but it could also be cleat position. It could be saddle position. All those contact points are going to affect where forces are applied to those handlebars. And that's truly gonna that's truly gonna determine, you know, in conjunction with geo and you know sag and all that other stuff, like how twitchy the bike feels. So uh, I have a bit of a background in bike fit. Uh, in a past life, I was a fitter, probably doing three or four a week, uh, full range of motion assessments. It, it got real weird laying people on the massage table, bending them all up, and then translating those measurements to the bike. And wow. uh, we saw a lot of value in that. Uh, so I mean, if you if you really have issues with the bike being twitchy. I would say find me on the weekend. Let's get a couple laps. Let's make some in-lap adjustments or post-lap adjustments and then go do that same lap. And we'll just take these small changes and make successive approximations towards the target bike feel. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's going to be the best way to do it. There's truly not one tried and true formula for that, really, because um, there's just there's just so many variables that, that can play into that. Sounds like, sounds like a good process of elimination. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Well, in, in that example, you can uh, lower the lower your stem, right? Lower your stack height because you don't need to buy another stem to do that. So at least try it, right? Put your headset spacers on top of your stem and and, and re-snug it up and give that a try. And getting yourself closer to the front wheel might help a little bit. Um, so to directly answer, I would say try it before purchasing a stem. If it, you know, if you don't notice the difference, um, you can always move your headset spacers back. Uh, but tinkering with your bike like that, no matter what you're trying to achieve, I would encourage. Um, there's a lot of fine-tuning adjustments out there that you do find within these fits. Um, but if you're confident with a wrench, you can do those swaps yourself. Nice. Yeah, that's just that five millimeter bolt, right? Take that out, loosen up the the side bolts, and then put those uh, spacers on the top and see yep. how that feels. That's yeah, good. There's some dramatic changes that can be made in handling for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's crazy. Everything is in millimeters. Literally, it changes <laughs> everything. That is that is, that is is nuts. And then, Morgan, what you were saying, is that like the rad that you're talking about? How you, you get the fit for the bike based on like your arm length and leg length and all that, all that stuff? Yep. So I was using uh, the specialized system, specifically the BG Fit program. I graduated most of their courses in that uh and so yeah it's a it's a full range of motion assessments so i look at i look at hip flexion 
uh, potential leg length differences, uh, shoulder rotation, all of these things, past injury history even, right? So uh, all of those things are going to affect how you ride the bike. And a lot of us have these preconceptions of what we think we should look like on the bike, right? Like he's, we just saw the Tour de France with everybody in these full arrow positions with these negative stems and like they're all in these tuck positions and that's great for those guys because they are super flexible right but for most of us that's just not the case so uh you know to, to me it doesn't really matter how you look on the bike as long as you're comfy on it because that comfortability is going to result in more saddle time more saddle mm -hmm. time is going to get you the results that you want right like you can't put down watts if you can't breathe so being all bent over and all this other stuff like it might not be it might not be the best thing for you but yes we take a we take a look at like uh, body structure and, and things like flexibility and put it to put it to use on the bike. And that's something that we still do. Uh, I've done a couple fits since we started wrench and roll. Uh, and we've seen some really positive results from some guys with, uh, that were having some hand numbness, foot numbness, things like that. And, uh, it's since subsided with, um, very little invested, right? No new parts. As Matt was saying, we just changed stack height. We changed lever position, uh, cleat position, saddle position, things like that. And, uh, guys are way more comfy out on the bike. So Dude, that's huge. That's huge. If you're out there listening to this right now, um, give them a call. That is very, very cool. Cause I've ridden with a lot of my neighbors out here and we, and they'll get like hand numbness, you know, like pain in their shoulder, things like that. And I'm sure it's just like minor tweaking here and there, but it's just don't have the knowledge as to, to where to start. So that is awesome. And if anyone's out there and they're watching, there's a YouTube channel called joy of bike. And uh, they were actually trying to figure out what people's rads are and fit them in the right size bike. And one of the stars of the show, his name was Alex. He's five foot nine. And he ended up taking two bikes out and he ended up on a small of the bike. But the manufacturer said at five nine, he'd be, be between a medium and a large, but his rad actually measured out to fitting the small, which was interesting because it seems like a lot of the, Bike, comp bike companies are just kind of making this like big dramatic overlay. You know, if you're, if you're this height, then you're this bike when it's so individualized, which is, uh, which is great that you brought that up, Morgan. Um, and that is all the questions that I had that came through on the Instagram. Um, anything else you guys that you would say for the folks that are listening, what are some of the, the tips that you would potentially give to people to, to just care for their bike on a daily basis? Uh, yeah. So right off the bat, clean bike is half a bike, uh, clean your bike, not with hose and water, but, um, yeah, keep yourself clean. Um, after cleaning your bike, chain loop, chain loop goes a long way. There's a ton of different products out there. That a lot of them work really good. Uh, a lot of them have different cycles as far as like how long they last. So, Depending on what you're using, um, try to pay attention to that. Tire pressure, right? So pre-ride um, checklist, check your tire pressure, check your, your bolts, right? Get yourself that multi-tool. Um, but that's huge. Most folks around here, I would say, are riding anywhere from like 23 to 28 PSI. Like that's your Greer Vale. So um, certainly I would encourage folks to try um either either end of that spectrum there's a pretty dramatic difference with five psi and mountain bike tire um so that's kind of fun to, to tinker with um and then yeah just get try yourself on a maintenance schedule it goes a long way just like your car doing all the change in your car if you don't do it your your motor's gonna blow up 
you don't change your fork oil, it's going to feel really bad and your hands are going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's, that's good. Morgan, what, what would you say to, to that as far as tips go to uh, keep the bike running good for, for most folks? I say, uh, ride frequently. Uh, it doesn't have to be monster rides. You don't have to get out and put down 17 at Greer. You can cruise the block. Just keep, keep everything moving, keep everything cycling, right? Like the, the stuff sits, it, it, it doesn't like to sit, right? The other thing too, is that like the, the pros, they're riding their bikes so often and they've got all this factory support. They, they, they never see these, um, these declines or these dips in, in component performance. Right. Uh, but a lot of us, we get busy. We've got kids, we work, we get lazy. It's a hundred degrees. We don't want to ride. So the bikes will sit and they'll sit for weeks at a time. And, and so it, it's one of those things where even if you have to get out and just cruise a lap around your block, like do that cycle, your suspension, grab those brakes, uh, you know, just keep those, keep those fluids moving. Nice. Good, good, great tips. And, and you know, when it starts to rain outside and everyone's more of a, like a break question and I, and I realize we're, we're coming up on uh, time already, but uh, you guys is this information is, is so valuable. And thank yeah, you. All good. For, we got more gears. Thank you. Thank you again for doing this. Whenever when you hear people coming down the trail when their brakes are wet and it sounds like an orchestra of like kids who don't know how to play musical instruments, is that just the brake pads or is there something going on there that could be avoided? Um, when it's wet, it's there's nothing really that can be avoided. Um, there's different brake pad materials out there, some of which are more susceptible to noise when it's wet, right? A metallic brake pad is often going to screech a little louder than like organic or resin brake pad in those wet conditions. Um, but ultimately, it's wet. It's going to make noise, um, grit and grind, sticking to your rotors and your pads a little bit more. So there's a whole bunch of different factors that happen, but nothing to be alarmed about. Truly, um, as long as you have braking, right, that's most important. Exactly. It's just the train coming to the station, just letting people know you're arriving. <laughs> coming <Yeah>. in. <laughs> you're trying to hide, not breaking in the corners, and it's like calling you out. You don't want squeaking if it's hot and dry. If it's squeaking when it's hot and dry, something else is wrong. Yeah, come is, see us if yeah. that's the case. Yeah. So there's been a couple of riders I've seen where they're just – coasting not even pushing their brakes and 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 it's squeaking is that could that what are some of the things that that could be well i mean so i mean truly it could be right your rotor rubbing your brake pads right caliper alignment and if that noise is ultimately coming from the brake which can be tough when you're riding a bike to truly pin down where noise is coming from. There's a lot mm -hmm. of moving parts on bikes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of places that can make noise. Um, I would say the first three, you know, places that finger point fingers get pointed at is like your bottom bracket, your headset and your brakes potentially. Um, so, but if it's squeaking like that consistently, you know, it's gotta be adjustment. Um, yep. truly. So take a peek, look down the barrel, look in between your brake pads. You should see a light on either side of your rotor. Um, and that fine tuning caliper alignment can be challenging, can be difficult. It gets easier with experience. Um, can you, so yeah, give it a go. Nice call. Yeah. If, if not, uh, give the boys a call. Hey, what's up? Colorado kid is in the house. He just, uh, did a Southern California tour. Um, Colorado kid says, 
what if you're a bad writer? <laughs> Is there a part that will help with that? He's asking for friends. <laughs> yeah, I got to think it's your post-ride uh, recovery drink. You're probably on the wrong program. You should get on something like a PBR or a Wolfpark or something, you know. But, uh, but no, there's no... Um, there's nothing for more talent. I've been looking for it for the last 20 years and I'm still searching for that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So <laughs> you can come ride with me and my team, team Midpack. We, we're all running out of talent on a daily basis. So uh, you'd be, you'd be more than welcome. There you go. Colorado kid team Midpack member, newest member of the Colorado kid. Uh, if you guys are ever up in the Northern California area, look him up. Um, super good guy and check out his channel too. Awesome. Awesome content. Um, MTB one, two, three, John says, you guys are awesome. Thank you for the help at snow Valley. They are great oh, mechanics. Yeah. Awesome. What's the story behind that? Whew. You know, we, help, we just helped so many people, <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, uh, you know, I truly, um, we, we do everything right. We see a lot of derailleur failures. We see a lot of brake leads in the moment, cook breaks, things like that. Uh, so, I mean, it could have been, it could have been almost one of anything. Yeah. Dropper levers right people getting down and their dropper levers getting a little jacked up we see that pretty often at the bike park mm. um but yeah we met a lot of really rad people that weekend at stone valley with the transcend crew so um, yeah it was a rad day for sure yeah that was a great day that was a great day thank you mtb123 john what is that like the fifth testimony on here tonight that is that is awesome <laughs> uh adam miller is giving colorado kid a hard time for that question right there really joe <laughs> so um well with that being said you guys let everybody know um i obviously have it here scrolling on the screen but uh, is there anything that you guys would like to say in closing to the folks that are out there watching the live or in the future here at itunes and spotify about bike maintenance or even coming in to see you guys i would say don't hesitate to reach out uh we're available i mean Monday through Friday, nine to six officially. But if you've got questions, uh, we're happy to help out. If you see a good deal and you want to run it by somebody, uh, never hesitate to ask us those questions. Truly use this as a resource. That's that's part of what we wanted to do in building the community and, and educating people. So uh, let us let us know if there's any way that we can help you. And, and don't hesitate to come see us. We're, we're never too busy for you. Uh, even during the short weeks with race weeks, if we're at the races and we look pinned, believe me, we've got spot for one more. So uh, don't uh, don't hesitate to give us a shout. That is awesome. And what would you guys say is your biggest difference, differentiator? I think I already know the answer to the question because I've been talking with you guys. But for the folks that are listening, give what is Wrench and Roll's biggest differentiator than taking your bike to the local bike shop? You can stay in your pajamas, right? Yeah, yeah. We see a lot of people <laughs> in pajamas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think truly it's the quick turnarounds. It's it's the same day in and out. It's the it's the two day turnaround on a full pro tune. We just had a, a trail dog dog sled in, right? We got two of them out same day. Wait, oh, not yeah. parts for the last one, but we're gonna get that crew back out there ripping for the weekend, right? So we're we're yeah. pumped, we're pumped on that. And so. we're just we're shooting for the experience, right? That's our goal is the experience. Um, so whether you're dealing one on one with Morgan or myself, right? Where where it's it's just it's just us two um, with no other no other customers in the store. So we that's a unique experience, and Absolutely. we're trying to we're trying to keep that going. So 
That's awesome, you guys. I hear I hear convenience with uh, staying in your pajamas because you guys got that van. You guys can just come pick up the bike if you're in the area or if you're traveling into the area, they can pick the bike up from you while you stay in your PJs and drink your coffee or have your post-ride drinks while your bike's getting worked on. I hear efficacy. I hear uh, basically you guys are, I mean, how many testimonies did we get on how how many bikes you guys have fixed while been on this live and knowing the wealth of experience that you guys come from, from, you know, Intense to Jensen USA and the history that goes back through all that and all your experience there and then breaking out on your own and just not looking back. Um, so convenience and experience and trust is all there. When you guys are looking at wrench and roll, uh, like the boys said, give them, a, give them a text. You got the number here. It's 951-215-6053. Or hit them up on Instagram at wrench underscore and underscore roll. Um, and anything else you guys want to add to it before we sign off for the evening? No, just a big thank you to the community. We felt a really warm welcome when we started, and we continue to feel that when we see all you guys out at the races. And we're, we're looking forward to many more years uh helping you guys out so thank you that is awesome yeah ladies and gentlemen the two guys that make up wrench and roll mr matt and morgan colorado kid lastly says yeah damn bum they're in socal now otherwise i'd be making a call right now colorado kid it's not too late you can text them and then see if that's something that they can do from afar because there is that virtual world they might be able to help you um, MTB Rad Dad's here. Oh, Craig is in the house too. Uh, just a couple people that I want to give shout outs to. I always like to say what's up to everybody. Um, but with that being said, uh, if you have any bike issues or you have any bike questions, or like the boys said, if you're looking at a bike and you want to run it past somebody with knowledge, give these guys a call and they'll be able to help you out. And, uh, and, and anything that you need mechanically, they can help you there as well. So Matt, Morgan, thank you again for jumping on the segment podcast. It's great to see you guys. I look forward to seeing you out there. And uh, I know if my bike needs some help, I'll be giving you guys a call. You got it, man. Great. We're here for you. Mark. All right. Thanks. Thank you so thank much, you boys. All. See you all soon. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for jumping on. Okay, centers, thank you so much for tuning in to that episode with the guys from Wrench Roll. And thank you to Matt and Morgan for being on the show. What a wealth of information. I definitely want to listen to this episode a couple times. They had some really key pieces of information that'll help keep our bikes happy. So um, guys, thank you so much. Join us next week when we have special guest, the Miltonator on the show. Take a listen to his story and how he got into mountain biking and how he is uh, doing today and what he is up to. Uh, that'll be episode 43 with the Miltonator. Thank you again to the sponsors of the podcast, the supporters of the podcast. Thank you to YT Industries. Thank you to Tasco and thank you to Spy Optic. Really appreciate you guys. Wouldn't be able to power these without the help and support and uh, just love the products. So thank you so much for that. And folks, I want to leave you like I leave you each week. Remember to find something you like, be passionate about it, work hard at it because all of your hard work will always pay off. All right, everybody. See you guys on the next episode and send it safe out there. Talk to you soon.